Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. And my guest in this podcast is Chris Ryan. She's a journalist, a mum, and now one of the most exciting new voices on the Australian comedy scene. In 2021, Chris's solo show was nominated for the Best Newcomer Award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Two years prior, she took home the coveted Best Newcomer title at the Sydney Comedy Festival. Her laconic take on everything from romance to passive-aggressive co-workers has seen her fast become a crowd favourite. She turned to comedy later in life and working as a journalist running her own communications business for 20 years. She'll be in Sydney for the Sydney Comedy Festival from the 19th to the 22nd of May with her show Can't Complain. Well, we'll find out what she can't complain about very soon. Welcome, Chris Ryan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So, wow, later in life, come out to comedy. What an interesting choice to to, to turn uh, your wheel of fortune, I suppose, um, to where, before we get into that kind of shift, where did you start life? Like, what was life like? Was it a creative environment? Like, where did you grow up? Well, that's... Um happy that you asked uh it's i grew up in india um uh, yeah i know it's unexpected and i do touch on it in my show um so my dad was an agricultural economist Uh, my mum was a stay-at-home mum and she supported his career and we moved to india when i was three months old i was born in sydney but i we moved to india for the first nine years of my life wow and so i was raised in an international culture you know like it was uh it was a great life it was exciting it was was one of the lines from my show, I can't help but say it. It's true. It's like it's weird when the most amazing part of your life is over and you had nothing to do with it. You know, I was just taken to India and that was my life and it was the best. I loved it. Wow. But not, I wouldn't say we were, I, I was raised in a creative home necessarily. My mum liked to sing and, and dance and stuff, but oh, yeah. um, it wasn't like art, becoming an artist of any kind was necessarily uh, something I'd seen um, in my family history, but um, certainly I always was interested in getting the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is an agricultural economist? What do they do? Monetize yeah. agriculture? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Um, no, Dad, he worked in crops research, and so the place that he worked, Icrisa, it was um, its mission is to like help 600 million poor people to um, have like a better life and food and, and better agriculture um, helps toward that end, you know? Yeah. Um, so he uh, looks at getting crops to be more, I guess, bountiful, uh, f- more financially viable um, and stronger. Like they, they look into genetic breeding and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating um thing that I have absolutely no knowledge in. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really fascinating. What a great thing to do too. That's really quite inspiring. What, how long did you spend in India? So nine years um, and then we moved to Australia after that and I moved to Canberra. So I see Canberra, I suppose, as my hometown. Mm. Um, and then when I was 17, mum and dad moved back to India to the same place. Oh. And um, so I got to go back twice a year 
uh, and visit in my 20s um, and see that the city I grew up in um, and how yeah. it had changed since the 70s, you know. How has it had it changed? Oh, it's just massive. It's like unrecognisable. It's a like a, a bustling metropolis now, whereas I recall my childhood was, it was like out the back door, there were just boulders, just as far as the eye could see, just granite boulders that we used to climb over and watch out for snakes. And um, But no, now it's all developed. Do you think something happened in, like, is it just the the nature of growth? It's just a modern city now with, you know, lots of IT workers, lots of, yeah, industry. It's just, it just, it's the way of the world, you know, yeah. it, but it's strange to go back to a city that is overseas that was your yeah. home. Yeah. Um, because, you know, most people can see where they grew up. Most people still live where they grew up. A lot of people do. Yeah. So it's kind of foreign to go back and see it through different a different lens. Yeah. So was it a culture shock coming to Canberra then? <laughs> it absolutely was. And yeah. last year my show um, was, was sort of about, uh, well, I didn't say that I came from India and stuff, but it, what happened when I came back to Australia was I had no mates, I had a weird accent and I just didn't fit in. And so my response to that was to try and get seen, you know, and so I actually performed flash dance for my year six teacher just so that she could um, like see who I really was inside. <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> oh, my God, I hope that's part of your show. The flash dance. It was last year. <laughs> Sounds terrific. So, what did you do? Like, how did you, you know, from the flash dance for the te- for this teacher to, you know, go out into the world um, as a as a grown up? What happened between then and now? Well, I think um, I don't know. I think I've always wanted to perform, and um, I've always enjoyed attention sadly uh I don't necessarily think it leads to a happy life but um <laughs> I love it I I do love uh, uh getting out amongst artists and just hearing how people think like I the weird thing is for me like I yeah I started comedy at 38 mm-hmm. um so that's 10 years ago now and mm-hmm. it was not until I started comedy that I realized there were so many people so many comedians um who think similarly to me. I mm. I guess I'd never really totally felt that I belonged to mother's group or, you know, that I um, necessarily had the same views as a lot of, of mums my age. I, I guess they, they would never consider dropping everything and going on the road and doing comedy um, because they're sensible people that look after their families. And, I mean, I have a sensible partner that does that and I, I love my family and I care for them too. But, yeah, it's a strange choice to make this and to meet other people that I wouldn't have met had it not been for comedy um it allowed me to see that I wasn't so strange there's actually a whole community of strange people they're called comedians for sure so but you did in the meantime your own business communication business and journalism it was that what kind of journalism was it I did community journalism so I worked for rural press down the south coast of New South Wales in Nowra and Batemans Bay and Maruya um, and Ulladulla and, and for other places too, basically community newspapers. So you really, you know, you have a footprint of, let's say, a 100-kilometre radius and you have to get in your car and go and interview people on everything from farming to, you know, cancer survivors to um, the CWA gift stall or something. You know, it's you, you, get, you get a really good glimpse of what, how different people are and, how everyone's lives tick along and we don't know anything about them. And I kind of wanted to tell 
people's stories. I, I've always been interested in real life stories and um, journalism just allowed me to have an excuse to ask people questions, you know. Mm, for sure. I mean, you get to see, yeah, like you say, people live so many different lives. We kind of, it's eye-opening really. So what made you decide to get into comedy? Because it's a hard gig, I imagine. Mm, I think I set myself the goal of entering raw comedy okay. uh, back in 2012 and, it, you know, a deadline is a good thing for creativity. So I just knew that I had to do five minutes. I knew I wanted to try comedy once in my life. I mm. felt like I could do it. I went and saw a comedy show and I saw someone brilliant and I saw someone terrible and I thought, well, I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Um, surely I can give it a crack. And I also had looked up to people like Fiona O'Loughlin, who was a mum doing comedy brilliantly, and I that really inspired me and made me because I got postnatal depression with my kids and I went through a very dark period of feeling invisible and um, and this was a way to reclaim myself, I suppose. Did you, I always think when I watch comedy that there's sort of a persona, like it's it's not really all you. There's, you've got to find your kind of, voice I mean I guess that's with anything but in comedy it's kind of like you say the mum comedy or the I don't know did how how did you find your voice like as you as a comedy comedian it's it's a good question it's a really good question I think that because human beings change every minute like we're changing all the time um it's it changes with you you know um so the jokes I started out telling no longer feel relevant to me. Um, They might still be okay, but they're not really in my heart. You know, I kind of, I think the joy of having a job like this, um, it's not that you get paid well, or it's not, it's not that life's easy. It's that you get to express yourself. That's what comedy is. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to do that. It's a privilege to be able to get paid to do that. Even if it's not much, you know, you, so you have to kind of dig into what you really think and um, be unafraid to call out things that you see or even for me, I'm not a, uh, I guess my persona on stage is a, it's a heightened version of me. Um, I'm neurotic. I'm anxious. I can be mean. Um, uh, but it's just a heightened version of me. It's not the, the whole truth, you know, um, plenty of, um, plenty of people do that. It's it's sort of, uh, I think, finding your voice. For me, it came from a place of truth first and and then you embellish it and make it funnier. So I, I always like to have a kernel of truth at the heart of all of my bits because otherwise I don't really know what I, I don't think it would be enough for me just to be funny for the sake of it. So what was that first five minutes, the raw comedy? <laughs> it was a set about dickheads about the dickhead personality ah just yeah it was essentially like we've cured so many things but we haven't cured the dickhead personality (laughs) and then it was like I I am one and then I just told a few stories like the flash dance story I told the flash dance story because that's always been in my repertoire one of the best ones that I roll out (laughs) when I'm trying to I don't know win friends and influence people (laughs) 
So how does that compare to now in this show, the can't complain? Yeah, well, I think it's a bit dark. This Because these are the jokes that have arisen from the last year. And that last year has been largely spent at home with my family, uh, up the local shops, in the neighbourhood, not going far, um, and at best seeing my parents down the coast. So that's it's 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 arisen from that time. So, and I've done a lot of introspection. Um, it's you know it, I would say it's a little bit darker this year. Um, I, I have looked into myself, and it's not pretty necessarily, um, but I think it's um, I think it needs to be said. So yeah, I guess it's a bit darker this year. This stuff. Uh, and yeah, I do complain. Um, it's a it's a show <laughs> full of complaints. So tell me, I know you've performed for the Australian troops in the Middle East. How was that kind of eye-opening experience? I imagine. Look, that was a very humbling experience. Um, these are, by and large, everyone there is away from their families for months at a time and their friends mm. and. I don't know how they do it. Um, it's an extraordinary job and I felt very privileged to be allowed to go and do anything to support them. Um, these are very good people for the for the most part. And um, so, yeah, it was an extraordinary experience. It was difficult. Like it was very hot. Uh, there were predominantly men. I mean, there are more women in the forces now, but mm. still it's men, mainly men. And yeah. uh, doing, co- you know, doing my comedy in front of, big blokes from all over the world, you know, in Iraq, for example, we were never outside of the walls of the compounds and stuff. So I never saw anything. Um, And they kept us safe. You know, they wouldn't have let us go had we not been safe. But it was a a bizarre climate to be doing comedy in. And it was hard. It was it was very hard. But I was very glad to be able to do it. Yeah. I was going to say, did you feel like you had to change your routine because of it or adapt and do you have to do that for every audience I imagine but that in particular yeah I suppose the interesting thing for me about that gig was um although these were burly people with you know we could all imagine really tough lives and who have seen a lot and could handle a lot we there there are OHS rules and and like you know content guides and you know you had to keep it clean you had to keep it <laughs> not family friendly but almost you know it was kind of a weird combination of this wild war zone environment with really clean and um, okay material <laughs> like it was it was sort of <laughs> a weird combo so I, I sort of went with a game plan and uh, I wrote a bit of stuff while I was over there. Um, but uh, largely you just, you you know, you're serving up who you are and um, that went down quite well with the women. I, I felt I really connected with a lot of them. Mm. Mm. I often think of um, comedy as very observational, so you're kind of responding to the world around you. Is that sort of your, I mean, your, your talk, or I guess more in terms of you sit down to write, are you kind of walking around observing, making notes, or do you sit down to write, oh, I want to, you know, talk about the year and complain about it and, you know, it's a bit cathartic and that sort of thing. Like what? what is the – how do you write comedy, I suppose? That is a bloody good question. I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I think because life happens around you, you take notes as it happens. So I take a little note on my phone if I think of a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later I will sit down in front of my laptop and, and try and tease that out and find what I think is funny about that 
see if I can make it longer. You're always looking to build minutes, you know, so you have to dig a bit deeper. Um, when it comes to putting a show together, I don't think there's one way. There's When you come to the, a, a festival, you see how many different ways there are to create a show. Some people, they go with a theme and they 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 write solely on this theme or they have a story and they tell that story. Um, others... Um, will just will just compile the best jokes they've written, you know, and they don't worry about that, you know. And and all the ways are right. You just have to find what works for you. Um, I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. I my show is a compilation of the jokes that I wrote, and then I put it in a framework of um, my dad wrote his memoirs, and so I I read I read the memoirs, and um, it was just like what I guess I kind of had little sections. Um, where I try and feed into what my dad's memoirs were about and and then have a reflection on myself. So um, I don't know. That's um, But last year was different it, again. So And next year, who knows? I'd, but it is uh, a fascinating process and I think there are a lot of comedians I really admire and I'd love to be able to pick their brains about um, how they do it. Um, and you took up animation <laughs> like is it during COVID like to make a little online show online series yeah I um I'm not an animator and I admire people who are um but I I wanted to keep being creative during COVID when all the gigs were shut down and I wanted to make a podcast but I chickened out um my idea was to have a podcast with my mum um, and we we sat down for a few hours and just chatted, and um, and then I realised I couldn't commit to a podcast. I just I just couldn't, and it wouldn't be funny all the time. And I I needed it to be funnier than it was. And there was a lot of poignant moments with Mum. Um, and so I decided to do this animated series called Chats with Mum. And I know how to use the animation software. It's just this semi-automated animation software you pay a subscription for. And it makes the mouths move and, you know, like you can decide the characters and you can put the setting and you can do everything with it um, and add the audio. Um, but it's kind of made it easy for you to do that. So I thought I'll just do three-minute animations. And so I made two series of that over the last couple of years. Mum loved it. She got so much feedback. Oh, man, she loved the spotlight. <laughs> A latent comedian in her or performer at least. <laughs> So has that come into your show? No, you won't get technical in the in your actual um, live show. No, but that's an interesting idea. Maybe one day. Um, okay. <laughs> I um, no, my my show is straight stand up. Couldn't be less dramatic than that. It's just straight me talking into a microphone. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a lot more portable and easy to get around. So what can't you complain about in uh, Can't Complain? What's your biggest complaint this year mm, or for the last year? I think probably fundamentally I think um, I think if I have to come up with a meaning, I think I, I hate the fact that people think they can't complain. You know how we are always, this last couple of years, everyone I've spoken to has been like, oh, you know, this is bad and this has happened and this has happened. But, you know, I can't complain because <laughs> look at the people in, you know, Ukraine and look at this. Yeah. And I've never subscribed to the um, stoicism doctrine of just put up and shut up. You know, I've never, I don't think it helps. I think it comes out in other ways if you don't complain. So I think it's essential to let, <laughs> you know, let each other have a whinge, you know. 
And I think it's honest. I, I'm sure that we all do it. And yes, of course, we're trying to be better people, but you know, it's, mm. <laughs> but we're flawed and we always will be. And yes, we'll whinge even though we've got it good. And that's the nature of humans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. It's been fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Regina. Really appreciate it. Well, that was Chris Ryan and her show, Can't Complain, is on at the Sydney Comedy Festival from the 19th of May to the 22nd of May. 